Hello, and welcome to the first episode of Biography and Me. Um, my name is Emily, and today I have with me my friend Janelle. Hi. <laughs> um, and this is a kind of a whim. Um, but we're gonna go for it, and if anything, it'll be fun. And if you hear kids screaming in the background, that's because there is kids screaming in the background. Who has kids? <laughs> Not me, but my <laughs> fucking neighbors. All right, so um, this podcast is called Biography with Me. I probably should have done that in the first place. I don't even remember if I did, but. <laughs> um, and so, what we're going to do is each episode, um, we have read a book. That's about a person of interest, whether that's an actor, the comedian, athlete, whatever. And um, we read their autobiography, biography, tell-all, memoir, and we're going to talk about the good, the bad, the ugly, mostly good, because, you know, if uh, anyone ever reaches out to us, we want to uh, make sure they still like us. Absolutely. <laughs> and um, yeah, we're just going to talk a little bit about it and maybe make you a little bit more interested to go out and get it yourself. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to start off by um, introducing the book that we read. Um, it's called Yes, Please by Amy Poehler. And we're going to start off by talking a little bit about how we first got to know her um, and what we know about this person. So Chanel, take it away. Yeah, I think the most obvious reason that people know Amy Poehler is a mix of being the ultimate mom and Mean Girls, but also SNL and her Hillary Clinton. Yes. I would say that's the number one prominent way. But also, Mean Girls was in 2004. Can we talk about that? Yeah. I like even reading it, I was like, oh my God, she was in Mean Girls. She was the yeah. mom in Mean Girls. And like, she was not that much older than Rachel McAdams. <laughs> no, no, not at all. That's the crazy part. But the other thing, Baby Mama. Yes. She talked about Baby Mama in this book, and we'll get to that. But not a fan of Baby Mama. Really? I did not like it. Sorry, Amy, don't hate me. But not a fan of Baby Mama. I actually thought she was a crazy person. Okay. But I think it was just a step too far on the comedy side that not really my style. Yeah. Overall, most of her movies I like. Okay. All right, so SNL, uh, Mean Girls, that's – I loved Baby Mama. <laughs> that's, like, literally when I think of Amy Poehler, that's what I think of first. Me and my friends would always be like, I wish this was an Arby's. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Baby Mama might have been the reason that I liked uh, Tina Fey even more. And okay. I think that's when I, like, really – understand both of them as a whole yeah and I think that's when my curiosity about her went up a little bit um at the same time because Parks and Rec also came out about that same time yeah yeah and she goes into Parks and Rec a lot too which I yeah I think it probably goes for me like Baby Mama SNL Parks and Rec is like what I think of most but damn I love Baby Mama (laughs) (laughs) um And so, yeah, that's how we first got to know her. Um, And now we're going to talk a little bit about the kind of like structure of her book and um, how it kind of starts from beginning to end and what you might be getting yourself into. Um, So what were your initial thoughts on like the structure? You know, so I've read this book twice now. And I will say the first time I read it, I was just like, this is great. She's telling different aspects of her life. The second time it bothered me how she was just picking parts of her life to tell in no order. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 
Um, so that's that's the one thing about the the structure of it. Um, but overall, how she intertwines the stories and coming towards the end, I'm, I, you know, you start to see kind of where why things fit where they did and how they kind of all come together at the end. Yeah, I I kind of felt the same way at first. Um, it kind of hopped around a bit, but. Um, it includes like a lot of like pictures and excerpts, like kind of like a scrapbook vibe, which I think lent to it being a little bit all over the place in some parts. But um, when I first got the book in the mail from Amazon, because they rule us all, um, I was like, oh, God, there's a lot of pictures in here. <laughs> and I was just like, uh, like, Amy, what are we doing? Um, but I, I thought it went well. Like I, I liked how it broke it up into different parts and you got to see like pictures from her life and of her kids and stuff like that. Um, so I was skeptical of the structure, but I ended up really liking it in the end. Yeah. I definitely like the scrapbook aspect too. Just adding the little quotes. Sometimes they went with it. Sometimes it didn't. Sometimes it just looked like a brainstorm page. Yeah. I actually like that field. I think that's part of the reason I enjoyed reading the actual book versus the audiobook. Yeah. So the audiobook, I think, is an experience in and of itself. Yes. As well. Yeah. I think it's like important to say like the structure of the book and the audiobook, they're like two separate entities. Yes. You get completely different experiences. Yeah. Reading, you know, consuming the same content, which was actually a lot of fun. With yeah. The audiobook. Yeah. Um, I, I read like half of the actual book and then I was trying to kind of I was crunched for time. So last night I was just laying in bed, kind of like listening to the next part of the audiobook. And it's so different. Like, I feel like there are things like whether it's diff like some of her friends who were part of some chapters that contributed. And it, yeah, it's like a totally different vibe. And you could listen to the audiobook and then go back and read the book at another time and have a totally different experience. Absolutely. Absolutely. And just the little interactions between them before they actually start reading those chapters when her friends are there. Yeah. And the fact that like, I think her parents or someone read the quotes yes. in between the chapters. Yeah. And I love that. Like yeah. her mom's voice is just so just like almost comical. Like I love it. Oh my gosh. The Boston accents. <laughs> Absolutely. Because, like, she talks about how, like, working um, through her very long, you know, list of everything that she's done and comedy and improv and everything like that, she kind of, like, her accent went away a little bit. And I think some of that was on purpose. But then her dad is like, hey, it's your dad. <laughs> <laughs> so true. It's so good. And, yeah, it, I – I like because you don't get that in the book, and with the audiobook, you get some of those fun parts. So, absolutely, absolutely. O overall, like the structure, like both the types of content, and how just the different experiences. I, I was obsessed. Yeah. And I, because I, I only like listened to part of it. So, like in the beginning half of the book, like, because I know that like there's like Seth Meyers and is a huge part of it. it does he do, he reads yes, his chapter? Yeah. So Seth Meyers is one of the chapters. And that is one of my favorite things about the book is how she gives her spin on, well, you know, when she's about to give birth to her son, Archie, and then he gives his tale of that yeah. night and just kind of how he first got to see her. And like, they both kind of echo the same things throughout the book. I know she mentions it again later in the story about her, you know, he happened to be sitting in the audience from one of her shows and uh, just that like 
comedy parallel and just like how much their stories echoed, but the different perspectives of it were mm -hmm. I'm like, you can tell their relationship is tight. Yeah. And I bet like, I mean, it you could tell like how much they love each other, like in just reading. And I can bet like the audio too, you really pick up on like the emotion in their voices. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. I love Seth Meyers too. <laughs> <laughs> Just the way he like showed his admiration for her is, is excellent. Yeah. I love it. Well, it seems it like. came through. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it seems like we're kind of getting into like some things that we liked, maybe some things that we were a little skeptical about with the book. So let's go into our next section where we're just going to kind of go back and forth about things that were memorable, interesting, um, and, you know, were worthwhile to reflect back on. Yeah. So I'll let you go first. Yeah, I think, you know, I just mentioned the Seth Meyers chapter, the backpack chapter, where she tells her story that night and he tells, you know, a similar story. Um, I also just really appreciate the parallels and like how much he wanted to be friends with her. Yeah. And those little quips from the SNL's, you know, set and what happened. Um, and then there's a whole, you know, chapter about the SNL and working with Will Ferrell, working with. Um, I think she said it was John Hamm, like, yeah, <laughs> basically told her, like, this is a really important night. Don't fuck it up. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> we all need that person. Um, definitely some standout moments there. I also really appreciated the chapter on drugs. Yes. <laughs> yes. Amy Poehler did a lot of drugs. Yeah. And I totally commend it. I agree. And also for a moment, I remember thinking like, she's kind of glorifying meth right now. I was honestly <laughs> jealous of her meth and neighbors. <laughs> yeah. And then she's like, um, but then like things went really bad and one of them died. And then you're yes. like, okay, let's yeah. Back down to earth. It's not all just cleaning your apartment. Like it's, yeah. I like Absolutely. how she was like, I, you know, I say the same thing. Like I would try anything once except for meth and heroin, you know, like Absolutely. just stay away from it. But yeah, she goes, she goes into like some of her stories with that. Yes. And so fun fact, I read this around this before I did any like very hard drugs or mm -hmm. any drugs of any sort, including marijuana. And were you like, Amy? <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> so at that stage of my life, I was to the point where I was like, I'm just going to do Coke because I'll get so much more done. <laughs> you know, what yeah. logic? Yeah. And then I hear her perspective and oh, obviously a lot of my friends smoked weed at the time. Not yeah. really shy. It wasn't, it was around in my life. Right. Uh, but that was probably the first time with her explanation of weed. I was like, yeah, I kind of agree with this. Yeah. And yeah, I think you can see throughout the book, it's like peppered in there, like, oh, stoned or, you know, <laughs> I wasn't going to go there if I wasn't high. And like, I'm like, okay, like that, I could totally see like with how her personality is with like smoking a little weed might, you know, help even things out a little bit. Yeah. Um, and, but I just, I would have never known. And it's like something really interesting to pick up on. Yeah, absolutely. What about you? What's some of your favorites? Um, so like, just like a general thing, the book is fucking hilarious. Yes. Especially like the first half I was reading it and I caught myself laughing out loud. Uh, absolutely. I was doing my laundry and could not stop on certain chapters. Yeah. And like with audiobooks, like I'll definitely like laugh and stuff. Yeah. When I'm like doing chores, but like, it's been a really long time since I'm like sitting down reading something that I start cracking up. Like she has one line where she says, I have the Angelina Jolie of vaginas yes. and like it, you need some context, which you will get in, in the book. But I was just like, Oh my gosh, this is hilarious. And then also um, we were talking about like 
how she has like kind of like a scrapbook um, layout of the book. And one of the, so she has like pictures and she has like little writings and stuff like that. Um, and this poem from when she was a child in 1985, I don't know why, but this made me laugh so hard. <laughs> so Amy Poehler, May 21st, 1985 in social studies. When life attacks you from every side, it hurts too much. <laughs> and the most painless, easiest way out is death to survive. <laughs> How insightful. <laughs> like, and just the fact that like she still has that, and, like, and you can see, like, even from like a young child, like she was going to be in the biz. Yes. The chapter where she's describing her role in the Wizard of Oz. Yes. And that intentional effort of, you know, making people laugh and she wanted to do that more. I think that says so much about her personality. Oh, yeah. And just the little quips that are added on and on that and just that whole chapter where she describes that feeling and wanting to do it again and mm -hmm. how she then, you know, ad libs a little bit of a part. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah, that was like her first real like improv experience, it seems like from her own perspective, like she tells a story about, you know, how she was Dorothy in Wizard of Oz and how, you know, she had to improv a little bit to get some laughs. And I feel like that was once she had that first experience of people laughing, not, you know, at her, but also with her and for her, um, seemed to really be the start of something great. <laughs> All right. What's another thing? Oh, you know, one thing that I actually loved was the list of kind of demands for going into birth and all the crazy oh, requests oh, that yeah. they had. <laughs> it was just this outrageous list of, you know, I would like you to greet me, not look me in the eye and leave me alone at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> just her, you know, it's like a page and a half of, of basic demands essentially. And they're all comical. I can only imagine like if someone actually received this list. Yeah. They would die. They would laugh so hard reading this. That and was like when I first was a psycho. Yeah. When I first read it, I was like, this and then I like once I like started getting into it, I was like, oh, this is a joke. Um, but yeah, I that was one thing with the book. Like, um, she talks a lot about being a mother and yes. like going through a divorce. And those are two things that like I can't relate to. relate to, but she still made it super relatable somehow like um yeah I think like she did a really good job of seeing both sides like being like I didn't have kids until I was 37 and then like I loved all of the non-kid part of my life and then like being a mom and how that's like been amazing for her and talking about like she does a good like devil's advocate absolutely and I think that's like big in our lives too right? yeah we're for everybody's reference, we are <laughs> approaching in, in our 30s. So, yeah. um, you know, these are conversations that come up in our everyday lives with our friends. And yeah. uh, she makes a statement, you know, good for you, not for me. Yes. And the book in total had a lot of little like thoughtful quips like this. Yeah. But that was one that I was just like, not only can this be applicable to whether you want kids, not want kids, adopt, foster, whatever your situation is. That needs to be echoed in all sorts of realms. Good for you, not for me. Yeah. yeah I guess that was something too uh, sh we should have touched on in the structure is it's not a self-help 
book at all. Um, but there are certain like, you know, her advice for life. Lessons learned. Less, sure. Yeah. Which sure. I like, I think as a woman reading a book from a woman, like it is, she was really honest and I really appreciated that. Yeah. And it didn't feel preachy. Yeah. Which I think some of these, um, you know, celebrity book autobiographies, they can get preachy. And And you're like, you're fucking like millionaire. Like, I don't want your advice. You can't fucking relate to me. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe it's because she started as a waitress and just had to grind her way. But uh, yeah, super relatable content throughout it all. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. Uh, the divorce books also a good oh, section. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I know. It was like she did a really great job of um, her ex-husband, Will Arnett. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and she like was very transparent being like it sucked. It was super painful. I didn't want to make like it known and like didn't want to share it. But she was like had enough like comedy with it where – it made it readable. Like it wasn't like, this is the divorce chapter. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I mean, super relatable content of like, you don't, you need to learn how to have a fight and then also bring your kid to a party. Yeah. Um, Those type of things. It's, it's, it's so there. It's so present. And I think people forget how difficult that can be to navigate, but you have to learn how to do that. And I feel like it can be like transferred not only to a marriage, but like other types of relationships too. Like it's like, yeah, you fight with your sister and you're still sisters and you still have to go to Thanksgiving dinner or whatever. So like, I feel like she made the lessons learned broad enough where you could relate to them, man, woman, child, none. I don't know. (laughs) Absolutely. And she did a really great job not trashing her relationship with her well. Yeah. Um, Yeah. That was really admirable. I feel like you could have very easily made him look bad in discussing your divorce and discussing, you know, the downfall of your relationship. She didn't do that at all. Yeah. She let that be known. Yes, there's messy parts, but, you know, I loved him and I respected him and we... He's the father of my kids. Yep. Yeah. And then she would like drop a Nick Kroll in there. And I was like, I didn't know about this. (laughs) I completely forgot about the Nick Kroll. (laughs) I know they mentioned the movie Her and I was like, how? What is that? Yeah, one? I know. And then I was like Googling, I'm like, are they still together? Like, <laughs> I honestly can't tell you if she's with anyone. Yeah, I, I couldn't. I did some snooping like in five minutes and I couldn't find out in that five minutes. And I was like, eh, I'll leave her alone. She doesn't want it known. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I feel like those, like, it was enough of like exposing herself in those chapters without like, yeah, making it be, not who she is I guess yes like still kept to like her comedy yeah it was as you said there was a lot about being a mom giving birth you know she has a whole segment on her mom and her experience yeah. going through and the postpartum before it was acceptable mm-hmm. to kind of acknowledge postpartum uh just having that background into like how she grew up a little bit I think also you know, says a lot to her character and how hard she's worked to get to where she is. Yeah. And then I love that one part where she's like, you like need to know your birth story. Yes. Like pick up the phone, call your parents. And then she like gives that little part in the book where you can like actually like write down your birth story. And I, yeah, I like how 
she just had those like little things, which I would usually like not like, but for some reason I, I liked it. The birth story thing is very interesting. I would love to quiz some of our friends and see if their birth story matches their personality. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Shot into the world. <laughs> um, so another thing that like, I liked learning more about, like I thought I knew what I knew about her time on Saturday Night Live, especially with Sarah Palin, with like Tina Fey playing Sarah Palin and her playing Hillary Clinton. I thought I like knew all the funny bits, um, but I really liked that part of the book because you learned more about how that was like the first thing after 9-11. Yes. Her opening night was right after yeah. 9-11. Yeah. And that was like during that was during her pregnancy right too or no no that was just okay. her first start yeah um but yeah she you know talks about how lauren michaels came up with the joke about you know can we laugh again and the, yeah the governor had to come out and say yeah yeah and it it kind of takes you back to that time where it was just like everything was falling apart and like i bet it was super hard for them to be like is this okay like especially like they're in New York and around like probably had friends and family who were super affected. So yeah, it it was, it was really interesting to see how careful they were with that material. And, and then also just like the things that they did were hilarious too. Yes. She worked with the gold standard SNL peak characters. Yes. Yeah. The people that you remember, Mm -hmm. the one she worked with Keenan Thompson. Can we talk about that? <laughs> she was on SNL from 01 to 09. Yeah. And she worked with Keenan Thompson, who is still on the show today. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't what even think champ. about that. Yeah. He's been there forever. He has been there for a really long time. Yeah. I. It made me, because um, they talk about a few of the skits. They talk about the one where um, they had Sarah Palin on and they... Uh, like oh my gosh we got Sarah Palin like what are we gonna make her do and they you know suggested doing the rap the infamous rap Mm -hmm. and they uh you know have her decide like oh I can't do this isn't this isn't good for my running and then they have Amy Poehler do this rap pretending to be Sarah Palin super pregnant super pregnant super pregnant and it's amazing like I had to turn on YouTube and turn it on and watch it and I was just like she's also very good at rapping (laughs) Strangely, like full on rap. And Seth, Seth Myers gives her that credit as well. Like, she is full on rapping yeah. in that. How many people can do that? And I was reading too that um, she helped with the rap in Mean Girls by the mathlete. Yes, really? Yeah, she like helped write that. And I was like, girl, jack of all trades. Jack of all trades. Comedic gold. I know. I also really appreciate the little jokes in the chapters when she would call out someone and then she'd be like, Tina, punch this up for me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I liked, I mean, obviously a huge, when you think of Amy Poehler, you think of baby mama. <laughs> no. You think of Mean Girls? You think of baby mama? You think of Tina Fey. You think of her right-hand man, her partner in crime, partner in crime, work wife. Yes. Yeah. And so she definitely dedicates a lot of the book, you know, peppered out like talking about how they first met each other doing improv in Chicago um and then how they ended up working together on Saturday Night Live and she pay, pays a lot of homage to their relationship absolutely I you know 
one thing she she does pepper that in and then she has one small little chapter yeah dedicated to tina yeah which is almost hilarious but if you just listened to that chapter you would be like are you friends yeah or do you feel obligated i know i'm like do you like seth Meyers more <laughs> i mean <laughs> maybe <laughs> but if you read the book in whole yeah plays a major part of her life and just seeing that relationship and i think all of us became obsessed with that relationship. Yeah. I remember being so excited for the sisters movie. Did you ever watch the sisters? Yeah. I was pumped. <laughs> this is like my peak. I'm obsessed with Tina Fey yeah. and Amy Poehler mode. Mm -hmm. Sisters was it. Yeah. That was a good one. Yeah. I feel like they did so much together and you would think like, oh, do they ever kind of like get sick of it? Like get sick of like always being associated with one another. Always having to be that pair. Yeah. Who are you as individuals? Yeah. But I feel like they complimented each other so much. Like she talks about how like Tina would like, her kind of like love language was when she wrote for you, like mm -hmm. wrote, you know, a sketch or something. And um, I, it seems like their dynamic works really well. Absolutely. And, you know, they hosted the Golden Globes together. I think that was another big moment for yeah. them. Um, yeah, I think the kind of the feminism of the book, yeah, it's not an all right, like feminine, feminist book by any means, no. but the way she highlights, um, those moments working with Tina, working with Rashida, there's also a big section on Rashida. Yeah. Um, and then also, you know, there was, it was also the Golden Globes, right? They were all getting awarded. Yeah. And they you know, all come up with this funny skit that doesn't get televised because yeah. they didn't let anyone know, but they all go up there and act like it's a beauty pageant. <laughs> oh, I know. I'm like, yeah, it's just like little things like that, that like you, you wouldn't know about. Mm -hmm. And then also just everyone being on board, not being like, well, I think I'm going to win. So I'm not going to do this sketch, you know, yes. but just everyone be like, no, I'm going to, when they call my name, I'm going to walk up on stage one after one and then hold hands like a beauty pageant and then you know scream for the person who wins like she talks about you know wanting to win those awards as like wanting to get the pudding and then like doing certain things like that where you kind of forget for a little bit you have like Absolutely. a little bit of ambivalence which can be very helpful yes there's no competition that's like shown between them which is a refreshing thing and i think something all women need to be reminded of sometimes yeah yeah and it's like it's yeah like you were saying there's definitely feminism in the book um and she it's definitely like she talks about like being a bossy lady and how that's not a bad thing <laughs> then there's also like some things where i'm like this wasn't written that long ago but i think there might be some problems <laughs> like nowadays <laughs> like lots of louis ck drops yes <laughs> lots of louis ck drops and I was like, ooh, I wonder if this still holds. Yeah. Um, and she had, yeah, she like has a little things that I'm like, oh, I wonder like if she looked back and read this, if she would feel the same way. I would love to follow up on some of those things. Yeah. The cell phone, cell phone too. I meant to like check. I'm sure she's on Instagram now. Oh yeah. I wanted to check that too. I, I bet she is, but maybe not. You know, maybe she's stuck with it. Yeah. Um, what's a, another one that you had? You know what didn't do it for me? Oh, yes. Let's get into the decks. <laughs> Amy, um, please shut your ears for the next uh, uh, 10 minutes or so. Yeah, do not hold this against us. <laughs> I mean, because we're going to watch you on the show eventually. But, um, you know, we got to be honest. We got to be upfront, and we're not all perfect. I know. And it, like, pains me to say this. I was actually really looking forward to this chapter. 
Okay. Which one? The Parks and Rec chapter. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, I felt the same way. I know. It felt like she was just trying to give credit to everybody. Yeah. Which, fair. Amazing show. Love the show. Mm -hmm. Let's make that very clear. Obsessed. Yeah. But just didn't do it for me. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of it was kind of like um, explaining like how it wasn't really doing that well for a really long time and like how like hard they have to fight for it to like keep going and I was like I didn't know that like I really liked the show and this kind of like paints it a little bit for me absolutely yeah absolutely just hearing kind of like the struggles that they had it didn't seem like they had the network buy-in yeah you know looking back at watching the show myself I feel like you could almost feel it come season six and seven when they were wrapping things up. Yeah. They knew at the end of season six that season seven was going to be their last. Yeah. So that that kind of like feeling that like maybe this didn't go the length that it wanted, but it's an iconic show now. Yeah. I, I feel like if I were to rewatch it, I would have that in my mind, which like, you know, it's it's not all sunshines and rainbows. Like it's good to know those things. And it it's good to know too, like how hard they fought and how hard they like believed in it. Um, cause I think it's great. And I don't think like, yes, it has the kind of same shooting style as the office, but it's not, you can't compare it's apples and oranges. So, no. but yeah, it, when she was kind of like going through each character and like, this is what I like all the great things about them. And I, and it's like, yeah, you know, that's great, but give us the real. Yeah. 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 And in the audiobook, she has, um, the producer, Mike. Sure. 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 Yeah. Mike Shore. Um, who is Moe's on the office? Uh, yeah. What? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> clear though, I watched Parks and Rec before I watched The Office. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. I was like adamant I wasn't going to watch The Office because it was too popular. Yeah. Well, you, you can't be mainstream. No. <laughs> no. But <laughs> but yeah, it's like here because uh, that was a part of the audiobook that I actually listened to, and like hearing his voice, I was like, oh my gosh, like much different than Mo's. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, I was going back and forth between the audiobook and the regular book. Um, and when it was the chapter with Michael Shore, um, he has, you know in the book, they have his responses in the columns and it lend mu- much better to me, at least in the audiobook, where you got his quips as you went along with her audio too. Yes. It was much more real life conversation. Yeah. Um, instead, like when you're reading it in the book, you're like, wait a minute, what? Yeah. <laughs> and they have like the numbering of, you know, okay, now that you've read this sentence, here's the 22. Now go into the column and read the 22 part. And I was like, oh, I'm too lazy for this. I can't. <laughs> I, I cannot match this up. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I think overall the Parks and Rec information, it, it could have been reworked a little bit. Absolutely. Absolutely. So yes. What is your favorite of the potential Leslie Nopes name? Ah, yes. So in the chapter, um, they are talking about, you know, they were really stuck on Leslie Nope. They really liked, you know, her kind of go-getter positive attitude and then her last name being Nope. So kind of having like that end negative connotation. Um, But then uh, the writers had some other ideas for what Leslie's last name could be, and they were pretty hilarious. I, 
I know that there's a lot of ones that they still thought of that have like a silent K. <laughs> Almost everything on the list has a silent K in front of it. <laughs> One of my favorite is Leslie Note Norp, <laughs> but it's like Note with a K. <laughs> And Nerf with the G. <laughs> oh, yeah. I remember Nerf with <laughs> yeah. that part of the audiobook. Because, like, in the regular book, they just kind of have, you know, how they have the pictures. They just have it listed out. But in the audiobook, they read them together and they're, like, cracking up. Yes. Which, yeah, just so funny. <laughs> that is definitely worth a listen if yeah. you get the chance on the Audible to go back and just listen to this brainstorm read. And it's... It, he loves, Michael loves making up like funny fake names apparently. And I just imagine him sitting at his computer like, oh yeah, that's a good one. Like, <laughs> You can tell that's a little bit of his personality. Oh yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. I, I really, you know, it ended well. It ended well. Yeah. Yes. That chapter for sure. Um, so another thing that I thought was really interesting in the book that she talks about is she kind of talks about being obsessed with this tragedy porn, which I totally relate to. And it was really interesting to see like a different kind of perspective about it. So what she's talking about is how I think mostly women, mm-hmm. we tend to love murder and not love murder, but like we like to like learn about these awful things. And it's kind of like exposure therapy like if we expose ourselves to it enough we're not going to be as scared about it um you know it's like the whole premise of my favorite murder but um she kind of you know talks about how she used to do this and look up like these awful images and stuff kind of like to I don't like punish herself sometimes for like having such a great life or like just to kind of like bring her back down or like kind of wallow in the sadness and she takes that other turn is like just don't look at it no like yeah. don't make this what you spend your time doing and I, I appreciated that part and it was interesting to see that different spin on it absolutely I think right now especially with what's happening in the world yeah I find myself doing it yeah you know like I want to know what's happening in other countries and the current situation we're in but at the same time it takes a toll on you you we shouldn't be exposing ourselves to this at the same time and I appreciated that part of it yeah and she talks about watching I survived and she's like no I I didn't watch the episodes where like the guy is stuck in the woods or you know whatever I watched the ones where the woman was being murdered by her ex-boyfriend or you know and it makes you be like, oh yeah, I, I do that too. Why? Why do I do it? Why do I put myself through this? So I I like that part. Is it a sick obsession in each woman's mind that yeah. we need this type of fight or flight? Mm-hmm. Just, this is how they survived. And like maybe <laughs> if I'm ever in this situation, that's how I'll survive. Yeah, that's interesting. I like Very that part. What's one of, one of yours? <laughs> You guys missed the, <laughs> the little look of mischievousness. Sheer fear. <laughs> yeah. No, no. Um, the final chapter with oh. the cell phone. Yeah. Talking about the cell phone and how she refused to want to get one. I listened to that, to be frank, today just because um, it was a live audience one. I didn't go back and actually read the chapter, but I listened to it. There's a kitty. Oh. <laughs> 
that little belly? Oh, oh yeah. Oh, sorry. We, sorry. I live in the jungle. There are cats <laughs> outside my window. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I was kind of like, oh, this is how we're ending the book. But agree. It, it was in, like, I want to say it came full circle, but it kind of didn't. It didn't. The last chapter was almost upsetting. Um, yeah. I get, you know, the hero of the story. So just like, yeah, it was almost tell like a little refusing, bit more about. Yeah. So this chapter starts like refusing, you know, cigarettes used to be her social interaction. It used to be the cell phone, right? You always had a pack of cigarettes on her. Yeah. Is kind of how she said, and that was a social thing. She remembers the old flip phone, one of the guys having, you know, a flip phone. And she's like, nope, don't need it. Yeah. Not for me. She goes on Instagram and just the things that are on your cell phone, readily accessible. The moment her kid almost drowned and her initial reaction after saving her kid from drowning, drowning is to go save her cell phone mm-hmm. and put it in rice. Yeah. Your kid is terrified <laughs> and you are more obsessed with your phone. <laughs> They are little demons. Yes. That we're obsessed with. Obsessed with. And I thought like what she talked about in the chapter was important and interesting. It was just weird to end on. It was super weird. And then, you know, she's blaming the cell phone. Then all of a sudden she turns into, I need my Apple Air computer. (laughs) And she talks about almost losing the computer that she spent hours on typing out this audiobook, leaving it at LAX and this TSA, uh, TSA agent finding it and contacting her two days later after she was ready to bail out of finishing completing this book mm-hmm. and literally ends on every story needs an, a hero and this TSA, TSA agent <laughs> is the angel of the story. I wonder if like she was so afraid that she was never going to get her laptop back and was so afraid that all of her hard work work was going to be gone. She was like, this last chapter, I'm going to say, fuck you, technology. (laughs) Like, I'm going to write everything that I hate about it and then be like, oh, everything was fine and the book is here. No, it was, that was the one chapter that maybe felt a little more self-helpy of like, here's all the problems with technology and thinking about it now, you know, we're six, seven years later. Yeah. After she wrote this book. It's just so integrated in our lives. None of us can fully disconnect anymore. Yeah. It just, that was the one section that felt a little preachy. Didn't quite tie with everything else. Yeah. So wasn't, it was just a weird way to end. And we did check and she does have an Instagram, but no posts. Yes. So what the hell? (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, we also come to Instagram and I think, yeah, there were some good take home points in that, but that was more it, it ended on the like lessons learned piece where I was like, don't end on that. No, but yeah. Um, oh yeah, I'm looking back at my notes and I had um, Parks and Rec as one that was a little bit troublesome for me. But <laughs> <laughs> so I agreed with that. Um, but kind of going back to the positives, um, I feel like I learned a lot about about um I feel like I learned a lot about improv and the scrappiness of getting into the business as she refers to it. And I learned a lot about the business and yeah, it was really interesting. That was really interesting piece and just kind of her come up. She is quite frank about the fact that a lot of the gigs that she got was because she did something someone liked her. They offered her into this. 
her next thing came out of people liking her and wanting her for this. Yeah. So, you know, there's that aspect of just you, once you're in, you're good. But yeah. then there's the other side of it of just all the shit you got to go through. Yeah. She talks about, you know, she talks about her kind of small improv come up and then also having to wait tables and do odd jobs in between that. And then talks about the Upright Citizens Brigade, which was their group and, you know, kind of her relationships that went on throughout that, um, which I'd never heard of UCB. I only know UCB because I read Tina Fey's book first. Okay. Gotcha. So it's brought up because, you know, the small time that her and Tina, Amy and Tina did uh, improv together and then Amy went to UCB. Um, Very much of it. I think the theater that she actually talks about, I'm pretty sure she put a lot of money into that. Yeah. The, the theater that she has now. So yeah, she talks Mm -hmm. about, um, they have this theater and improv kind of school Mm -hmm. um, and that it's been going on for decades now. Um, And I didn't know anything about that, which was really impressive, like that she had all of that going on as well as her acting and SNL career too. Absolutely. It's, it's nice to see that, like give back to the community aspect and help other people with their come up and following, you know, what she wanted to do, helping others get to that same point. Yeah. She has a story where she gets bitchy a little bit, which I love. And she talks about when she is on the train or a subway, probably subway. And someone kind of, she's sleeping and she drop, someone drops a script into her lap, like being like, oh, please, you know, read this. You know, I'm just trying to get there. And she's like, no, fuck you. Do not, that's not your come up. No. Like you have to like get in the dirt and do these small shows and get to know people, make connections and making a connection doesn't mean asserting yourself into my personal space and dropping something on me. Absolutely. It feels like a promoter, like when they're giving out yeah. those little business cards with come see this stripper. Yeah. No, I don't want to go see your stripper. I'm not going to read your book. Yeah. I'm not going to read your script. Yeah. Please leave me alone. Yeah. Like not even a conversation. Like it's so strange. I, it's it tied back to, you know, there's not a instruction manual on how to do this, but that's not (laughs) how you do it. Um, And yeah, it, she tells about like it, like she mentions like Steve Carell and like all these other people who worked in improv in Chicago. And it's, you like look back and you're like, oh, it wasn't, you just got your show on the office. You just got your show on Parks and Rec. You had to do a lot of shit in between that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think everything she's done, she proved herself out. Like SNL peak timing and her and Tina Fey and um, Will Ferrell, Phil Godon and his SNL legends for yeah. sure. Peak SNL I, in my personal book of everything. But she had a huge part to do with all of the success that SNL was having at that time. Yeah, definitely. Um, what's what's another one that you had, good or bad? Oh, man. I'm getting to the end of my list here. <laughs> okay, I know. I was like, well, let's get a feel on how many you have left. Uh, not many. <laughs> I think I, I think I have like two left. Um, you can edit this, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, I have an editing function. I haven't used it yet, but let's try it we'll out. We'll figure this out. We'll figure this out. Um, there was another one that I... Oh, um, when she gave the speech at a show... And the, she talks about dealing with 
a producer or a sound guy that just was not working with her. Yeah. So the the whole story is, is that she goes out, she has great run through and it, it kills in, in the, she's run-through. doing like a, a speech at someone she cares about, like honoring them or as a sketch. I don't fucking remember, but something, <laughs> some type of event yes. that's going to be televised, whatever. Yeah. And run through goes great. Time of the actual show comes around, you know, there's an audience, there's a crowd, she delivers her speech. She personally ranks herself as a B minus. <laughs> Love that. <laughs> Love that. We appreciate honesty. Yeah. Uh, and then she, um, you know, talks about her final cue. They close her early. So her joke doesn't land the way she wants it to. Like literally the punchline. The literally. entire reason for being up there, they cue her incorrectly. Absolutely. And as a comedian, like that final bit. Yeah. Is usually wraps up the whole show. Yeah. And for her not to be able to deliver that, I could feel the frustration for her. Yeah. And then she just talks about this guy is completely unapologetic, comes to her later, was like, ah, your audio sucks. It's like, why the fuck would I help you? Yeah. Like, it's not oh, my problem. Can you go back out there and do it again in Wait. front of an audience who just saw it? No, it was in front of no audience. Oh, yeah, yeah. He just wanted her to just do it without an audience. Yeah. Right. And that's what you want to use? Like, no, it's not going to land even more then. Like, I wouldn't want to talk in front of an empty fucking room. Yeah. And then she's like, you know, she gives a compromise and says, you know, oh, what if I do like an audio over whatever? And he's like, oh, yeah, that would be nice. It's been really stressful. Could you give me a hug? Yes. Gross. 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 Men, just don't. Don't hug anyone. Don't offer it. We don't want it. No. Like, just. And then, I mean, she did, she says, she said something that I would totally do, where she's like, of course, I said no. And I told all my girlfriends that I said no. And she's like, I didn't. (laughs) (laughs) I think, too, maybe maybe we're just, like, coming around as a generation of feminists now. We're, We're more likely to be, like fuck off yeah but it is also still awkward yeah we're still gonna bitch about it afterwards but I can understand the embarrassment a little bit in that piece too and I hate those moments where you you act the way that you didn't envision yourself acting or want to act and then instantly you look back and you're like I could have said this I could have done this um but I think she she plays it well where like she took steps in that interaction to you know not offer solutions right away and she took steps to kind of stand up for herself. But then she also showed that she fell back into, you know, letting him awkwardly hug her. Yes. Yes. And trying right after she decided she's not going to help the issue, she falls right back into it. Yeah. And so I thought that was like super honest. And yes. it was a a good example without like, it, it didn't have to be this long drawn out preachy thing. No. It was good. No. I thought so too. The other thing that I think she did really well Hurricane Mary and the apologies. Yeah. That's yeah. after I, I really wasn't sure that. Yeah. how it was going to land. But so tell a little bit about that. Yeah. So she did a skit <laughs> where it is <laughs> her and I can't remember who else impersonating Dakota Fanning. Dakota Fanning playing um, an autistic child from a movie called Hurricane Mary. Yes. And the other character is someone playing Miley Cyrus. 
in Hannah Montana? Well, I don't, I don't know if she, I don't know if Amy, so Amy Poehler was pretending to be Dakota Fanning. I don't know if she was pretending to be Dakota Fanning in that part, or she was just playing Dakota Fanning as like the adult role that she always plays Mm -hmm. and like responding in a very adult manner. It doesn't matter. But anyways, keep going. Yes. So before the live sketch, she gets handed this doll and it is this. I mean, there's not a picture included, but it sounds unnerving. Unnerving. Something that you would get canceled for. Yes. Oh yeah. For sure. Yeah. Um, So you know, she thought Hurricane Mary and this story about these autistic children was made up. And here it's a true story or based on a true story. Yeah. And she knew nothing about it. And she talks about right before doing the skit, feeling a little icky seeing the doll for the first time. Yeah, it's like right before she went out, they handed her it and she kind of looked and was like, oh, I mean, but I think in her mind, she was like, oh, this is based off of something that's fabricated and not real. So yes. it'll be funny. It'll be funny. And what do you know? She finds out through a letter from close or producer of the movie or writer of the movie. Yeah, but they worked really closely with the family and they had a child of their own who had special needs who ended up passing away. So it it hurt them it a hurt lot. It hurt them a lot. And they talk about, you know, essentially the person that uh, the doll impersonated was still alive. Yeah. And, you know, it was based off a real person and just feeling that need she didn't want to admit that she wanted she didn't want to apologize at first yeah you know um and I think that embarrassment that shame I probably wouldn't have wanted to apologize either honestly yeah and she right away you know like we we all would who's to blame it wasn't my fault I didn't know about it the writer should have known about this right you know and it I think that's super easy to do and we all do it and she kind of wrote out her experience with the very long time it took her to actually apologize. Yes. And I mean, thankfully it came back positive for her. They didn't completely shame her. And um, Anastasia, the the girl, yeah, um, really came back quite graciously. Did not need to oh, know, I know. Yeah. elaborate on that at all. I think she was so surprised to even get a response. You could tell that the kind of in-between person was still <laughs> did not like her. <laughs> yes. She was like, yeah, here's her contact information. <laughs> um, but yeah, I thought that was uh, something anyone could relate to. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I, I, don't, I don't have any more things to talk about about the book. I think we covered it. I think we covered it. But now we're going to go into a section where I have to hold up my notebook away from Janelle so she can't see. <laughs> you can't see my... Uh, <laughs> My wedding planning on the other page of this. Love that. Um, But this is a section that, um, so I'm going to backtrack a little bit. The whole reason that I decided to start this podcast is because my stupid fucking fiance told me, you should get a hobby. (laughs) No worse words have been spoken in the English language. No. I'm planning a wedding. I work full time. I have cats. I have a hobby. I, whatever. We're Anyways. We're to work out, live our lives. Yes. That is, that is work enough. Who has time for hobbies? And of course, men. 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 He has so many hobbies. Anyways, I digress. <laughs> um, We were going on a walk because I decided my hobby was going to be this. And we're talking about, you know, oh, he's like, so 
of course, he suggests I get a hobby and then I tell him what my hobby is going to be. And he's like, oh, well, is that going to work? But what are you going to do? Who are you going to talk to? Um, and so we're kind of going back and forth about things that might work. And I was like, oh, we could have this section that's kind of like two truths and a lie, but it's two truths and a lawsuit. And so I'm going to say three things about Amy Poehler. And one of them is not true and could end up with me being sued. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> not really. It's just a joke. But Fingers crossed, Amy. Please don't sue me. Please don't sue us. So I'm going to read these to Janelle, and she is going to have to guess which one is the lie. Okay. Or the Let's lawsuit. play. All right. So Amy has a collection of fake foods. She's very obsessed with them. For example, she has tiny crocheted cupcakes and carved out sushi pieces. Okay. All right. Uh, that's number one. Number two, Amy and a few of her friends have a wine store called Top Heavy Wine and Spirits in Brooklyn that opened in 2018. Interesting. That one might be believable. All right. All right. Um, number three, Amy used to live in Chris Farley's old apartment in Chicago. Ooh. So those are the three. And I need I need kind of like explanation going through each one why you think they could be true or false. My most unbelievable one, I'm going to say it, is the mini food collection. I don't know why, <laughs> but I also like just think people obsessed with like crazy little habits like those. I don't get it. Yeah. I don't get clutter. I don't. I don't understand it. So, no, no crochet cupcakes in your house? No crochet cupcakes. <laughs> I mean, like, people give me a pillow pet. Like, <laughs> my mom gave me a pillow pet. And I'm like, why? Yeah. I kind of feel the same way. I'm like, to each their own. To each their own. Good if it's you, true. Not for me. It might be false. <laughs> All right. If it's true. What about the second one? The second one. Um, That one I honestly think is true because she is so big with her friends. Yeah. Um, you know, this whole book talks a lot about her female friendships, which I think is really good. And she even makes a comment about, you know, have male friends, have more female friends. Yeah. And this is just something I could see her being like, yeah, let's do this. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of think the wine store is believable. All right. Um, if it's not really upsetting, if it is, um, we, <laughs> we should go. get some, <laughs> <laughs> we need to go. And plus it's like called top heavy, like hilarious. <laughs> um, the third one, Chris Farley's living in Chris Farley's apartment in Chicago. I mean, his his old apartment. It'll he old did apartment. not live there at the same time. Yeah. But they did have run-ins. I'm going to say that one's false. All right. Drum roll, please. Eh, wrong. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, no. So, I mean, I kind of, I think I kind of cheated. Why? <laughs> so the one that is false is the second one. Damn. So Amy and her friends do not have a wine store called Top Heavy <laughs> Wine and Spirits in Brooklyn. It's a shame. They do have a wine store that's called Zola Wine and Spirits. Well, fuck that. <laughs> this is a PSA. Amy, you need to change your wine store to be called Top Heavy. Agree. And then send us wine. And maybe give us credit. For yeah. That. Can we get some? Uh, Can we get a little whoop, 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 whoop? Top heavy. Yep. So um, that was that. Good job. Not, but <laughs> better luck uh, next that time. She has the collection of yes. crocheted food. Amy, yes. what are we doing? She actually makes a comment in the book somewhere where she's like, someone shares in her obsession with fake food. Like she likes, and I think she does mention in the book somewhere about, 
I don't I don't know if she mentions that she actually lived in his apartment or some with Chris Farley, but yeah. I could I could totally see both of them. Right. <laughs> I think maybe I just overlooked the fake food part because why? Yeah, you're just like, uh, not today. Not not for me. Yeah. Not for me. <laughs> All right. So um let's get some final thoughts. So what we're gonna do is, you know, just give your overall feeling and then um I want you to rate the book and put the book and the audiobook together, kind of meld them into one. Um, on a scale of one to five. One to five. Yes. My final thoughts. Full full of one-liners and quips that I really appreciated. Yeah. Some of them very deep and like thoughtful and I think good for the world. Um, out of all the biographies, autobiographies that I've read, one of my favorites. Okay. Um, and Janelle's read a lot more of them than I have. So I'm relying <laughs> on her a lot for this insight. <laughs> Um, truly one of my favorites, one of the best audiobooks, I think, yeah. um, for sure. And personally, audiobooks for me are easier to consume, Yeah. <laughs> but so I'm going to give it a four and a half out of five. All right. Yeah. Starting off hot, hot, hot. All right. Um, I, I think I have similar sentiments. I, I mean, I said, it's been so long since I've laughed out loud at a book and I love to laugh and it did all those things for me. And I feel like I learned a lot about her and her come up, which was what I think I was most interested in. And a lot about her being a mom and going through her life and things I really appreciated learning about her. Um, I'm going to give it a four. I think, you know, we're going to start off with a B. Straight B minus, just like she says. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) And no, I I really loved it. And yeah, it's got to leave space for uh, what's to come. True. Very true. <laughs> I might go back after I read some really shitty ones <laughs> and change my rating. I got a couple. Okay. <laughs> good, good. Um, so yeah, that is um oh the book's name is Yes Please. Did we say that? Yeah, we said oh, that. Okay. <laughs> that is our final thoughts. That's on our final- yes please. Yes, please. That's the name. And, you know, let's say yes, please today. And thank you guys for joining us. And um, we'll come back in two weeks with another book to talk about. And thank you. See you then. Bye-bye.